You're listening to episode 30 with New York Times best-selling author John Acuff. Ah! This episode is brought to you by Drop Counter. Hi, this is Kun Kunaraksa, portfolio manager for Southeast Asia at water.org. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the power of storytelling in water communication. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Savala and Ariane Shipley that it gets to us is a miracle. Like the idea that I could turn on a faucet, like right now and be like, I want water right this second. And it's like, well, here's water. Like that's, I mean, I know we take it for granted, but that, that is a miracle. So I, I love that I get to encourage folks to work in this space. In 2015, I read the book Start by John Acuff, and I remember texting Ariane and telling her, dude, you have to read this book. Fast forward two years, we started our own business, and on November 20th, 2018, we celebrate one year as Rogue Water. So it feels perfect to mark the end of season one of our podcast, which we started five months ago, with one of our heroes, John Acuff. So just as important as starting is, finishing is just as important, and Finish is the title of John's latest book. He collaborated with the University of Memphis to do a study on why people don't finish things like goals, resolutions, diets, you name it. So we talk about finish, we talk about how you have to find time, it doesn't find you, um, how humor can humanize your story. We also talk leadership, professional development, speaking, oh my gosh, so much. We tried to glean everything from him that we could in the short amount of time that we had with him. We're so, so, so excited to share him with our extended water family. And we'll get to his story right after this shout out from our amazing sponsor. Ariane, you are bar none, one of the most organized people I know. <laughs> That's a joke, but continue. So yeah, where do you keep your water bills then, huh? You know, like the announcements from the city, your annual usage, rebate information, et cetera, et cetera. Ha! In the closet with the rest of my skeletons. Well, we both know that that's brimming, but let's free up some of that space with Drop Counter. Drop Counter is the water utility customer portal built with direct input of utility staff like you. Drop Counter consolidates a customer's consumption, tier information, utility announcements and alerts, rebates and more all in one app downloadable today from the Apple or Android app store. Drop Counter helps customers better understand their water use, tier schedule, irrigation schedule and more, which increases customer satisfaction and reduces your customer service call traffic. So your team can focus on what's important. Learn more about Drop Counter at theh2duo.com forward slash Drop Counter. That's D-R-O-P-C-O-U-N-T-R. John Acuff is the New York Times bestselling author of six books, including his most recent, Finish, Give Yourself the Gift of Done. For 20 years, he's worked for some of the biggest brands in the world to tell their story, including the Home Depot, Bose, and Staples. Most recently, he's spoken to hundreds and thousands of people across the country for companies such as Microsoft, Nissan, and Comedy Central. He's also written for Time, the Harvard Business Review, Fast Company, Reader's Digest, and MSNBC. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Okay, yes. cool. Well, all right. So thank you so much for taking some time out to have a chat with some water nerds. Um, I don't know. Uh, if this is your first time talking to an audience of water nerds, but I'm so excited to share you with them. Um, but I'm going to start with your book finish because that is Great. the one that I have most recently finished out of all of your books. <laughs> um, and it's based on a research study that you did with the university of Memphis. So our industries, the water industry, we're all about science and research. So tell us 
why don't people finish things? Like, and what role does fear play in all that? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a huge epidemic and, and anybody listening can say, Oh, you know what? I bought this piece of exercise equipment that I didn't use. I've got a treadmill of shame in my garage that I walk <laughs> by and feel like a loser every time I see it. Yes. Um, or I tried a diet and gave up on the diet. So you're not alone if you don't finish. Uh, according to the University of Scranton, um, 92% of New Year's resolutions fail. Mm. And that was why I was curious to research this idea. I partnered with a PhD named Mike Peasley, who was at the University of Memphis. He's at MTSU now um, as a professor. And we looked at nearly 900 people for about six months that were working on goals to figure out where do we go wrong? Why don't most people finish? How do you complete something you care about? And we learned a lot of kind of counterintuitive things. And as far as fear, I think a big part of it is perfectionism. Um, we think mm. it has to be perfect or not going to do it. So an example of that, I'll meet people that'll say, I'm going to run five miles every day, but today only had time for three, so I'm not going to do any. Yeah. And I'll say, well, you know, Three is way more than zero, and but a perfectionist would rather get a zero than a C minus. Right. And so part of it is getting comfortable with like it wasn't perfect. I'm okay with that. I'm moving on. And I'm you know it's something I struggle with. I have probably a dozen half started notebooks. Like mm. oh okay like this one's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna <laughs> fill every page and then like I make a mistake or like. I draw in it. I'm like, ah, it's ruined. I need to get a new one. And then Amazon is like, no problem. Yeah. And that's a silly reminder of perfectionism. Um, but yeah, that's a big part of why we don't finish. I think Ariane's mantra, mantra came from you from 100%. one of your books that done is better than perfect. Yeah. I mean, she lives and breathes by that. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. fun. Yeah. It really, um, I suffer from a lot of anxiety. And when I start feeling like that, um, that I'm like going down the perfectionist road, I always say done is better than perfect. Let's just get this done. Yep. And it kind of pulls me out of that shell that I'm in. Yeah. And so, for me, like I'll say some is better than none. Yeah. Um, that's another one because yeah. like, all right, like some, like it's okay. Yeah. If my goal was five miles, two miles is fine. Like, and I don't, you know, at the end of the week when it's all added up, I'll be glad I did the two. If I yep. only have an hour today, would I rather write four hours? Yeah, I would. But if I only have an hour today between flights, well, then guess what? Like at the end of the week, that one hour, if I do it every day, is seven hours and I'll be really glad I did it. So yeah. I think it's all kind of your mindset about it. Yeah, sure. So when it comes to obstacles and getting things done, we often get in our own way, which um, reminded me of your secret rules in Finnish. What are secret rules and how can we move past them to do work, the work that matters? Yeah, the, the easiest definition is that secret rules are things you believe that aren't true. Mm -hmm. um, an example of that might be, um, you know, I work with a lot of executives and maybe when they were 13, an executive, somebody, a teacher said to him, you're not creative. And he yeah. took that to heart and has spent 25 years secretly believing that. So as he gets called into more creative roles at work, he pulls back because he's right. got that voice in his head that says, you're not creative. Or... You know, it's a woman who was in college and somebody said, you're not a great natural leader. And she believed I can't lead. And as she progresses in her job or her business or whatever she does, there's that part of her that says, I can't lead. And she'll pull back mm -hmm. and not actually work on that thing because she believes I'm, I'm not a good leader. And she's never tested that. And even as people say, we see something you don't see in yourself. She kind of pulls back. Another one would be um, around success. People have a hard time with success because sometimes mm -hmm. it's 
they grew up in a culture that demonized success. Yeah. Uh, maybe they had a parent that used to say, must be nice. Like if they saw somebody that looked successful, they go, must be nice. I have a friend whose mom used to say, the only way that somebody could get that amount of money is if they're doing something illegal. And yeah. finally yeah. he had to say, mom, I bought you a house. Like I'm successful. You know, I'm not doing things that are illegal. Yeah. That's not true. And when you say that, it teaches me something that's not true. And then I feel ashamed for being successful. And, and so that's what a secret rule is. And it's one of those things that I can teach you a million head things about how to finish, but if your heart gets in the way, you're always going to, you're always going to fall. So you kind of have to deal with both. Mm. Love it. Well, just so you know, we are huge fans of your calendar. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've had, we have several years going with that. In fact, they're right over here to our right. We got 2019 and 2018 side by side. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yep. Uh, well, here we're I ready for see, like yeah. We're ready uh, for so 2020. Got, I love it. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah we're ready for 2020 already, and it was such a such a great feeling when we got to put 20. Like when I said, dang, I have to put 2019 up on the wall already because yeah. we're planning out conferences that we're gonna speak at and and everything. And so family time. Yeah, and family time. Yep. I loved your video about that. But like, so now we can't really imagine not even being able to see our whole year at a glance like that because it really it just does. makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Oh, gosh, yeah, it makes yeah, you I, so aware of time. <laughs> well, and how much you have and how little you have, it's both. I, you know, the thing that for me was kind of revelation was eight years ago realizing if I can't see time, it's fictional. Yes. Um, so people would say, what does August look like? And I'd go, no idea. Or... Like what's fun about having multiple years is now you guys, like if you ask each other, Hey, what did we do in October though? When we did this, you go, well, let's not guess. Here's what we did. Like here's our record. Um, And I just think that's so helpful to me because especially if you're growing a business or you're trying to do a new goal, it's so fast and it's so cluttered. I mean, you talk about things that give you anxiety, like dealing with moving parts and all of that. So for me, it's been, my favorite, my favorite tool. And, and if listeners are curious, just finish calendar.com. Um, yeah. Uh, we only print like 2000. So it's not like there's a ton of them, but it's, it's been fun for me to see people use them in different ways. My favorite was when you carried it under your arm. Cause we've literally yeah, like a carried board. it. Yeah. We've literally <laughs> carried it to meetings before. Yeah. 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 I love it. And it's people so are like, fun. that's a little weird. And I'm like, it's nope. not weird if it works. And this yep. does. So <laughs> yeah. I'm fine with being weird. Yeah. I bring it, you know, I've used it on stage a couple of times when it's been a, a gig that I drive to. Like, yeah. I'm not going to fly with it because it's going to get crushed and I love it too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'll, yeah, I'll bring it to, to presentations. I used to carry it around the office when I worked in the office all the time because it, it's actually like I have, I think, seven years in my closet right now. And oh, so wow. it's a fun kind of like it becomes a very big visual diary. So yeah. I, I love that you guys are doing it too. Oh, heck yeah. And, you know, you've said something before that really resonated with us in relation to time where you, uh, where people, we hear a lot like, oh, I don't have time, but you've said before that time won't find you and you have to find time. So kind of what's your answer to those people who say that they don't have time? Yeah. I mean, I I always joke, like, don't tell me you don't have time and then tell me the list of Netflix shows you're currently up to date on. (laughs) Like if you say like, Oh, I don't have time. But you also have seen every episode of Ozark and you're like, Oh, and I, I watched all of Breaking Bad. And I, you know, I think that we spend more time on things that we don't really care about than we, than we want to admit. Or the joke I'll do with guys is like, don't tell me you don't have time. And then tell me about, you know, which field goal kicker you're going to yeah. use <laughs> fantasy yeah, because right. of the wind conditions coming out of Chicago. Yeah. Um, 
So I think we make time for the things that matter. It's just figuring out what, what really matters. Um, so for me, you know, like today's a good example. I knew, okay, I wanted to have coffee with my buddy, Charlie. So, and I wanted to write after that. So I wasn't going to get the emails unless I made time for it. Mm-hmm. So this morning at six ten, we got, you know, we, the kids get up early. We have to get up. Nobody's really talking much because we're all kind of like tired and it's pre-coffee. Yeah. So I set a timer and I did 30 minutes of email. And so then I go into the Charlie coffee knowing, okay, I've already taken care of that. I go into the writing session knowing there's not like 50 things in my inbox that I'm right. going to stress about. Yeah. And so, and then from there, the podcast. I realized, okay, yeah, well, <laughs> there's a lot of day that happens before then. Oh. Um, I realized I wanted to, uh, I wanted to run like, and hmm. I knew, okay, I have to get that in. And so I needed to pack my clothes. Like, and this is happening the day before. So I think if you're delayed, like if I can get a day out and then maybe like, a month out, just kind of knowing, I can fix a lot of things that people think are surprises. Yeah. Like, I had no idea mm-hmm. where there are surprises that happen. Like, that's why I like, you know, the calendar comes in dry erase. But like, for the most part, I know that I can get things done if I, if I get a, a month ahead of it. Even, you know, like your job is different. You have new opportunities and pretty like when people go, what's an average day like? You go, well, it's not average. Like yeah. every day is different. And so, but it's your job to figure that out a day before and a week before and go, Oh oh man, if this is going to happen, I have to do these other things. Like the reason I filmed the video today was I recognized next week, a client wanted me to do a Facebook live on Tuesday, but on Tuesday I'm going to be driving to Tybee Island for Thanksgiving vacation. So I better figure out a different solution. So I better record a video for them. And once you do that, you're you're able to kind of see where your time is and how to move it. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I follow you for a number of reasons, but partly because of your quit, your quick wit and your sense of humor. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> I think you're pretty hilarious. I kind of want to go on tour with you. <laughs> Comedy tour. Comedy tour. <laughs> uh, many times in our industry, we're dealing with the serious business of public health, drinking water. Um, and we feel like we can't use humor. So obviously there's a time and a place for everything. But in your opinion, how can hum- humor um, be used to humanize the story. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the big thing there is that, and people ask me all the time, cause I, I work with speakers. I, mm-hmm. I love public speaking. It's one of my favorite things to do. I think it's like one of the most fun legal things you can do. Um, <laughs> and so, but people say, okay, do I have to be funny? Like, do I have mm-hmm. to be funny? Cause often they've read a book that's like, yeah. you gotta be funny, open up your speech with a joke. And then what happens is they just, they tell some joke that's not related to the content at all. Mm-hmm. And it's not related to how they normally communicate at all. And it feels like you're wearing your dad's coat at the eighth grade dance. Like it doesn't yeah. fit. <laughs> and so I, I tell people use the humor you'd use at a dinner party yeah. as you communicate. So if you're, if you've got a dry sense of wit, then use the dry sense of wit. Right. If you're more outgoing and loud and they're crazy stories, like use a piece of that. You have to read the audience. You're right. But also recognize that even as you talk about public health and water, Mm -hmm. that you're still dealing with humans and Mm -hmm. humans like to laugh and they like to admit when things aren't going well and have a like have a laugh about it. So it's not that humor doesn't mean slapstick, but I love going into serious organizations and being able to say, hey, here's here's a funny thing that you weren't expecting. Um, And here's and a lot of times like. You talked about you're doing speeches next year. 
you you know with your topic they won't have had a ton of humor earlier in the day <laughs> like people will be hungry for that it doesn't mean you do a huge comedy set but it can mean at the right time you use humor to take the tension out of the room when you have a difficult topic and like water and public health there's natural tension that exists and one of the gifts of humor is that it releases that tension which allows people to focus. It gives them a break. It allows them to relax for a second so they can refocus on the next thing. If you go serious 50 minutes in a row, it's monotone. If you scream 50 minutes in a row, it's monotone. Yeah. You have to shift the rhythm. Mm. Well, that's the good thing that we have uh, wastewater on the flip side because we yeah. can always talk about poop. Yeah, and that never yeah, gets old. Right. How is that? How is that <laughs> awesome. not funny? That's that's awesome. a, that joke writes itself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so shifting gears a little bit on the book jacket of your book do over, uh, you have a awesome testimonial from Seth Godin, who is actually another one of our heroes who talks about, or who says that that book is the best career book ever written. I read it, have to say hashtag agreed. Um, but I loved the career savings account that you talk about in that book because it falls right in line with what something our mentor, um, whose name is Greg Lukash, says, which is self-lead, self-feed. So the whole idea being that you can't wait for others to pour into you or to cultivate you into a leader. And a lot of times for people in our industry who are water educators and communicators, which we used to be when we worked for public, public utilities, there's like nowhere to go once you're on that career path. There's not like senior water educator. You're just there because you're 100% passionate about what you're doing and that's what you do. So how can they use the career savings account to keep that spark alive in their career? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that every career is a process of reinvention. Um, I think that most people, and it might be, depending on your industry, it might happen faster than other industries, but I think every year you're trying to reinvent yourself. Even as you stay at the same company, yeah. you're trying to say, how do I stay engaged? How do I stay passionate? How do I stay learning? Because I think when, like, when boredom sets in is when bitterness comes behind it or entitlement or you don't work as hard as you did when you started. So the career savings account has four parts. It's um, skills, character, hustle, and relationships. And, and my big thing there is how are you actively pouring into those things? So even if you said to me, okay, there's nowhere else to go. I've reached the top of this ladder in this industry. I would say, okay, are there things on the side of that level you can build? Like mm -hmm. a podcast about this, like, a, you know, a business about this. Are there relationships? Even if you feel stuck at the company, I guarantee there's other people that you could communicate with. If I was in public works and said, you know what? There's not a senior super duper water level person. I would say, well, other people around the country are thinking that same thing. Start a blog for those people. Like ah. build a network, build a community. Yeah. And so you wouldn't have to change your job from that, but it would be very satisfying for you to get to share some of your expertise, but also learn from other people and go, wow, you know, the challenges you have in Nashville are different than the water challenges we have in California, but there's overlap. And we, at, at the bare minimum, we can commiserate. At yeah. the bare minimum, we can say, I feel like I'm the only one who cares about this and it's really hard and it would be encouraging if blank and the person go, I know that same thing. It happened to me too. You know, I think, and that could be as simple as a blog. It could be a private Facebook group. Mm -hmm. You could say, hey, I, there's only going to be 20 of us in here because it's a small industry. 
but it'll be the right 20 and it'll be valuable. So I'm, I'm going to do the work of raising my flag. We're starting a private Facebook group. It's just for people who work in public uh, water who's in. And then like the worst thing that happens is you get to know everybody else at, at the other locations and you get to network. Like I, it cr- kills me when people go, why should I try to grow my LinkedIn, you know, following and connections? And I always go, well, I don't know a situation where knowing less people was better. Like, I don't... <laughs> That's funny. So yeah. So I think there's a lot of things you can do. Yeah. Sweet. I feel validated. Ah, I do too. <laughs> <Thank> yeah. <you. laughs> um, so I subscribe to your speaker email list. I love it. And uh, one of your recent emails that I got was about how less is more when it comes to speaking engagements. And that was ironic because I read it right after we had just given a presentation where we had 30 ideas in 30 minutes. So <laughs> wish I would have gotten that email a few days earlier. Yeah, it might have talked it. me out. Of it. Um, but it was like a summation of takeaways from our podcast and from presentations we heard and people we've met. But how do you narrow down that list when you have so much that you're excited about and you want to share? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I, I have to work on that actively. Like I actively work on that. So I don't, you know, I'm in, I'm in the same, same boat. So for me, like the way I'll do it is I'll go, well, how much time do I have mm-hmm. and how, you know, how many ideas do I think I can realistically do justice to in that time? How many things will they remember? What mm-hmm. do I want them to remember? Um, what kind of expectation do they have? What's, you know, what's the audience like? When am I speaking? Is it right before lunch? Is it right before the day ends? Is it right after lunch? Is it the first morning session? All those things kind of change. And then you just have to be willing to to realize this isn't the last time you'll ever get to do it. The the reason (laughs) we do that is like people do that with books. I'll say, I say, write it like it's your next book, not your last book. Mm. You'll go, oh my gosh, like, I had, you know, this is the last time I'll ever get to write a book and every idea I've ever had has to be in this book. And then you get this like weird overfull, like ideas don't line up and you'd say, I wish you had done the hard work editing this book instead of asking me, the reader to do it. So I think, I think a big part of it is is that, um, I also though, I know, okay, if I finish, my fear is always that I'm going to finish and there's going to be more time and there's not going to be any ideas right. left. But mm-hmm. I know at this point, like I have a story I can bust out. Like mm-hmm. I, I can fill X amount of minutes. Um, and I'd rather be able to give people the gift of the pause where they can think mm-hmm. about the idea mm-hmm. than just speed through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I did comedy recently and that was night yeah. two. I paused more than night one because I was comfortable and realized, oh, if I pause, the laughs get bigger. <laughs> and they can build and they can roll and I don't need to be a maniac and speed through it. So I think there's a lot of different things you can do. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. It's hard when you're, you know, like a lot of our listeners, they have city council meetings and so they feel like they need to get all of that information out. So they're not like asked a bunch of questions at the end, but I appreciate the, um, the advice of narrowing it down and it really say- gets that point across. Yeah. Well, and not, not allowing the questions to be a sign of failure. Like if you, you know, you can't have the goal be I've pre-answered every possible question that a human will have. Like you want to put a pressure on yourself? Holy cow. We do. You just have to mind read. You have to mind read all the audience and then try to cover all like, (laughs) 
So don't make a question a sign of failure. Make it like it's going to be, it's a natural consequence of giving a speech. Um, and, and if you like the city council, I'm assuming it's not like, well, that was our one for the decade and we'll never have another one. Like you'll have another. Yeah. No, you'll they're have like monthly. <laughs> yeah. You'll have another one. And then if you keep hearing the same question, well, guess what? The audience is telling you, yeah. add this to the next speech, add this to the next speech. Um, and you don't even have to answer the question in the moment. If you, I'm sure there's time after we could say, that's a great question. Can I grab you right after this? I'll address it in more detail. Mm-hmm. Okay. There like, yeah. or like, Hey, I'd love to connect with you on that. Can you shoot me an email? I'll give you my email address at the end of the night. Like, I would say that's a more realistic goal than I just, I mean, you talk about perfectionism, holy cow. I just have to perfectly navigate this content so that no one asks me a single question. Oh my gosh. Good luck. I'm yeah. so glad that you said that. Cause we try to say that, but it's backed by John Acuff. Yeah. So, so booyah, <laughs> legit. There you go. There you go. Okay. Speaking of legit, um, in 2018, you were named one of Inc's top 100 leadership speakers. Congrats. Congrats. Oh, um, thanks. So that totally, I mean, you're totally beyond legit in our book, but that's <laughs> awesome. Um, so there are a lot of young professionals listening, and I just want to know what what they can do, start doing right now um, to help them be more prepared down the road when they start to fill those leadership roles. Well, I mean, figuring out your leadership style, I think, is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, setting yourself and and, more importantly, other people up for success is a big part of leadership. Um, if you're not if you're not the type of leader that loves to micromanage details, then like if you've put yourself in that position, you're going to have a really miserable go. Yeah. Um, if you're more of a, like I'm an encourager and I like to, I like to partner with the person who's really detailed and I encourage and I lead, like I think you have to figure out what kind of leader you're going to be and mm. what kind of leader is successful for you. I mean, I, I know some leaders will tell you their favorite part about leading is developing other people. And I think that's what, that can be a really valuable thing for the right person to do. Mm-hmm. Another leader will say, I like to set the vision and let my talented people follow it up. I talked to somebody the other day that said, I like to lead self-motivated people. And he was saying, I need, I don't want to be their motivation. I want them to already be in motion. And then I help them fix problems. Like I had a manager once and that was kind of his approach. He would, he didn't say this. He just led this way where he wanted me to come to him with any fires that were so big, I couldn't put them out on my own. And then he would lean into them and he'd help me, but he didn't want the small, like he wanted me to be empowered to go like, go do the small stuff. Right. Like think about it. Like the four, I think it's the four seasons um, hotel. They, the right. people that work there, the staff have up to a $2,000 budget to fix problems. That means a maid can fix a $1,500 problem without kicking it up the ladder. Yeah. And so they're empowered that way. So I think a big part of it, if you're young, is to fig- start to go, what kind of leader do I want to be? Who are the leaders I'm learning from? You know, what are the, if you, you know, maybe right now you're listening, you're like, I don't like my boss. Great. Write down the things you don't like and then do the opposite of those. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I don't want to be that. Yeah. So um, I, I need to know selfishly what your creative process is. You're like a sponge of moments. And you're telling these stories about your kids. And I have three kids, but I instantly forget like every five minutes, um, these stories. I just want to know, how do you capture these? Are you like literally like timeout family? Let me like write this awesome story that's <laughs> happening right now so I can like include this into my next bit or book or all the above. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great question. Um, 
It's a couple different ways. I think the easiest thing I do is I use Evernote and yeah. I use, um, I use what I call the gingerbread method where I actually will kind of, all I have to do is leave enough of a trail for me to get back to it. <laughs> nice. So <laughs> the, the big issue is you don't have to, what ha again, it's perfection. So a big problem is you'll go, my kid said something amazing and I learned this leadership lesson or I saw this sign and it really reminded me that when it comes to public safety, we do such a bad job communicating, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to capture the whole, like you don't have to write the idea in a thousand words in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, instead, you know, I'll take my, I'll take my phone and I'll write, I'll pull up my phone right now and just read you a couple of ideas like that I've got in there that, okay. So like I said, um, having one kid is the hardest thing you've ever done until you have a second one and realize one kid is a joke like yeah, because then everything is a negotiation um yeah. i mm -hmm. i just wrote uh, this one was at 146 today measure hours not word count so like when mm -hmm. i measure what i'm working on i don't want measure word count because it's too messy it's too complicated like i'd rather measure i did an hour great versus because if you measure word count what happens is what do you do with uh where'd you edit it what do you do with like it's so complicated so as a writer it's easier to do that but all i did was write enough for me to get back to the idea i love it you almost made me cry with that one because that is uh i think did, did, you're actually one of the reasons yeah uh, i started writing in evernote because i read somewhere that you said that you do that and um when you had your 30 days in september i think it was yeah. yep. um and i was like dang it i'm gonna write every single day and i'm gonna do it well i didn't do it in evernote but i did it in a journal but i stopped judging myself on the word count because i was so used to just being like, oh, Stephanie, you wrote like five sentences. Whoop de doo. Like that doesn't mean anything. And so for me as a writer, that's like incredibly helpful and like, <laughs> like seriously, I almost teared up a little bit. So thank you. Oh my God for saying that. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. I'm glad, I'm glad it's helpful. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, so shifting gears again a little bit is uh, you left your dream job, a dream job, because you felt compelled to find your voice again. And our story is very similar. Um, we felt like we were being ripped out of our jobs, even though we were the ones that were doing it to ourselves. Um, and I've heard you, yeah, I've heard you ask this question of, um, will I face the fear of today or the regret of forever? So whether it's leaping into the unknown of starting your own thing, like, like we did, or trying something new or just doing something a different way, like, why does fear do such a good job? It's stifling us. And how can we just punch it in the face? I know you wrote a whole book about that, but if you had to sum it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think you have to, there's, there's a bunch of different things. Um, I think you have to, you've mentioned journaling and writing it down. I think writing it down is a powerful thing to do mm -hmm. because I think fear is really big and really loud and really complicated in your head. And then you write it down and go, wait a second, that's not true. Um, you know, and I think you come up with, you come up with rules to help yourself. For instance, one of the things that I, I actively work at is I realize that my fear loves to come around at like two in the morning or four in the morning when I'm like tired, I'm not creative. I'm half asleep. Like I'm at my worst. And so I kind of think to myself, like, imagine if there was a, a store or a factory and 
and fear came and knocked at the door at 2 a.m. Like, and I imagine this old man coming to the gate and being like, we're closed. Like, it's 2 a.m. The store isn't open, you idiot. Like, what do you do? Like, we'll talk at 9 a.m. Like, you have the yeah. whole day to deal with this. Yeah. Don't come right now. And so I try to, you know, tell myself, and, and it's not perfect by any means, but if I'm anxious about something, I'll say, okay, it's 4 a.m. Like, I'm not going to spin on this. I'm not going to, like, and I might have to say it 100 times, but I at least know it's better doing that than it is to go, oh, let me try to figure this idea out at 4 a.m. when I don't have any brain power and, like, everything feels exaggerated and dramatic. Like, why would I do work then? Mm. Um, and so I think part of it is you, you kind of come up with tips and tr tricks that help you and, and how you're wired. Because I think what, what works for one person is very different than what works for somebody else. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody, I, I think, you know, a lot of people wouldn't bring a giant calendar to a meeting and that's fine, but it, it works for me. And it's, that's going to help me seeing the year helps me not be afraid of the year, mm. you know, like, Oh no, here it comes. Like it puts some borders around it. So yeah. I think you figure out in your toolkit, what are the things that help me, you know, work on what I'm trying to work on and admit the fears and then having a friend that you get to do this with like yeah. you guys having each other is gigantic um yeah. because you get to be honest and get to say dude this thing is terrifying like and i don't i, I you know like i don't know how to do it and the other person goes no kidding but we're gonna and so then you work on it or you say this is how i feel about a certain situation and the friend will go that's not what happened like they didn't say that. They don't feel that about you. Like we have no proof of that. Like, and then you, you know, and then you move on. I think that's really valuable. Do you have a camera in our office? Because you nailed that right? uh, relationship. <laughs> oh, good. Good. That's funny. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So we're going to do a little lightning round. We call it our flash mix round. That's a water joke. Ha hashtag water puns um, all day, all day. And so um, I want to know, I know you like last year, at least you read like 150,000 books, <laughs> maybe like, yeah. or well, pretty, pretty close. somewhere, somewhere yeah. in that around somewhere. Um, so I want to know what's your favorite book, um, right now, or maybe the one in the last year. I know you've been running a lot this year. So what's your favorite book that you can recommend? I love, there's two series. They're both fiction. I love the Longmire book series. Um, oh, yeah. by Craig Johnson, like the audio books are amazing and mm. the writing is unbelievable like mm. it's it's so good and so layered and so like love those and then there's another one by a woman named louise penny um who's out of canada and she has this series called it's about this guy inspector gamash because they're french canadian gamash. and the writing on that like she did like a nine book arc that was so perfect which is wow. nearly impossible. And you didn't feel <laughs> every book was standalone, but like mm, cool. towards the ninth one, you're like, Oh, wait a second. She's yeah. about to resolve this thing. That's slowly been going the whole time. Like that's amazing. Wow. That is and amazing. So mm. Those are two like fix when I jog, that's what I listen to. It's fiction. Oh, okay. Awesome. What, so what number did you actually get up to? I think it was like 140 something. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, I think it was like 142. Um, I'm reading Atomic Habits by James Clear right now, which I really like. I think he's a great awesome. writer. Yeah. So that's a nonfiction I'm reading. Um, and then I just got Seth Godin's new book. Um, mm -hmm. I saw that. So yeah, I'm I'm excited about checking that one. I mean, I'm we we share a mutual love of Seth Godin. I just mm. think he's brilliant. You bought his ginormous giant yeah, one. that huge one. Yeah, I have that too. Like it's, yeah. it's 
it's very difficult to store because it weighs it's, so heavy. Yes, we ordered that when we at the la- when we worked together at the last city we worked at, and our boss was like, "What the?" Hell? I was like, <laughs> "Professional development." Yeah. Duh. Yeah. What city was that? Uh, city of Mansfield, Texas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So the new one is called This Is Marketing. I should, if I'm going to give Seth yep. a plug, this is oh, marketing. Give him a plug. Go there for you it. Go. This yep. is marketing. Yep. Um, okay. What's something that you do every day that drives your productivity? I think the more I run, the more productive I am. Like mm. I need to exercise. It keeps me like happy and not a jerk. Like I need endorphins. Um, so I think that then like this, the stuff we all talk about, like I need to sleep more. Like I'm oh, trying sure. to sleep matters and I'm trying to do that. Um, I think I'm really getting into doing less and admitting oh, things yeah. take me longer than I want. Like for them to good, I need, I probably need to take longer than I thought. Like mm-hmm. I can't, I can half do a lot of things quickly, but if I want it to go well, like right. whether that's being prepared for a meeting, whether that's a video, like it takes me longer than I might like to admit. And so giving myself permission to say, okay, it's going to take an hour or like, okay, I don't, you know, I don't want to do 17 things that they are. They won't, I won't serve anybody. You know, I think that's helped me. Mm. I love it. Okay. So this is our last question. We ask all of our guests the same question, but in, in our line of work, when a lot of our work is associated with behavior change. And so um, we get the response back of, well, what difference does it make? If I make a change, I'm just one person. It's not going to make a difference. And of course, we wholeheartedly disagree with that. We think that sure. one person changing can be contagious and can lead to other people changing. And so what's the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? Um, I think... I think one that I'm really excited about always is that you have the permission to do it. Mm. I think we often forget that. And I think that you have the permission to, to do that thing you want to do. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's fast, but I think so much of what holds us back is you don't believe you have the right to do it. So for me, that would be like, wait a second, you're saying I can be funny on stage and that adds value. And it's actually something I can't, like I can do that. And not only can I do it, I can enjoy it mm-hmm. and I can make money doing it. Like, that's amazing. Like I didn't know I had permission to do that. Or yeah. I can start a podcast. I didn't know I could do that. Or I can start a business. I didn't know I can do that. So I think remembering that you have permission to do those things is, mm-hmm. I think is really, really helpful. Oh, you can be a mom and have a business. I can do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like, so that for me is one that I, I come back to pretty regularly and go, Oh, that's right. Like, Oh, that's right. And I think it's fun. Well, that's a great message for us to end on. I think one of my favorite that we've gotten, it's so nice to um, be, have the opportunity to get to talk to, you know, one of the reasons why we're standing here right now. Um, and just to say, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for writing your books. Mm-hmm. Thanks for believing. Well, in thanks for you- reading them. Man. Thanks for reading them. And it's always encouraging. I mean, I've done radio interviews where they say, you have a book? What? You know, and so this is the uh, opposite of that experience. So it's always fun when somebody's actually engaged with it. Look, you you have the books, you have a calendar. Like I I love it. And I love that we have a mutual friend in Jeff. And so it's fun when kind of worlds collide and I, and I get to take a peek into something that, I haven't spent a lot of time in, which is the water world. Yay. Yeah, we, we'll get to, um, you know, share this with our, with our fans and our listeners and our, um, city employees who 
don't get a lot of, you know, on, you know, training and stuff like that um, in the communication marketing world of the water utility sector. And so um, just to bring them your, you know, your voice and your expertise is going to be awesome. And um, I know you may not think you relate to water, but you know, water is in everything. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that anytime you not just drink water, but, um, you know, turn it on or basically anything in life. Like maybe think of the duo, the yeah. H2 duo. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, you've got, you've got shirts. Water. I mean, that's right. That's yeah, great. Well, that's yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Well, it's super fun. And you're right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the challenge is we only think about it when something wrong is happening. Right. And I think yeah. you, you got to think about it when the good is happening too. Yeah. Um, That's our and how, and just what a miracle it is. Like yeah. it's mm-hmm. that it gets to us is a miracle. Yep. Like the idea that I could turn on a faucet like right now and be like, I want water right this second. And it's like, well, here's water. Like, yeah. that's, I mean, <laughs> I know we take it for granted, but that, that is a miracle. So I, I love that I get to encourage folks that work in that space. And I love that you call it a miracle because the reason that we do this and are so passionate about it are the men and women that are out in the field right now ensuring that that miracle happens, not only when you turn on the tap, but when you flush the toilet too, <laughs> which is like, you know, some people are like, oh, I can replace my tap water. I'll, I only drink bottled water, which obviously we don't agree with, but you can't really replace a toilet. I mean, a bucket, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a non-negotiable. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, yeah. The hole isn't really going to be great. No. no, no. And, you know, you run out of space in the backyard and it's just the whole thing. So no, um, <laughs> no HOA wants that. No, no. <laughs> true that. But uh, again, thank you so much for your time. It's been an honor for us. Yeah. And um, we appreciate it beyond words. We hope to have you back on one day. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks, John. Oh my gosh, Water Nerd family. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. We were so excited to be able to share one of our heroes with y'all in this episode. Uh, Can you believe it? Season one is a wrap, y'all. But don't worry, we aren't going radio silent. So each week until season two kicks off on January 28th, we're going to drop a mashup episode of some of our favorite takeaways from our previous episodes on a variety of topics. So communication, leadership, professional development, women in water, etc., etc. You get the point. The point is, you're not getting rid of us that easy. Season two is going to kick off on January 28th with our dear friend and the Bono of the water industry, George Hawkins, y'all. So I had a very few important call to actions for you before we say goodbye to season one. Number one, if you haven't already done so, please, please, please sign up for our email list by going to our website, dh2duo.com. It's the best way for us to keep in touch and to let you know when new episodes drop. Also, if you're an iTunes fan, be sure to go on there and rate and review us. We'd love to see some of those coming in. We love hearing the feedback from our listeners. And number three, if you haven't already or if you didn't know, the H2 Duo, me and Ariane, we actually own our own public communication consulting company, and it's called Rogue Water. And if you haven't checked it out, you can check out our website at roguewatergroup.com. And hey, see if there's a way for us to work together and help you do the work that matters in your community. So it's something that we're really passionate about and excited about. And if you didn't know, now you know. And number four, please, please, please help us share the word. Help us share the stories of the amazing people that we're meeting in this industry and shining a light on by sharing with your state association or with your YPs or whoever it is, friends and family who might be into water too. Just help us get the word out there and to amplify the reach of these amazing stories that we're sharing so 
We hope you learned something new today, got a little different perspective, or did something that moved you one step closer to your goals. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.